Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Jeff, mm-hmm. how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Yesterday was my birthday. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, and I got... I got a very sweet uh, bunch of messages from everybody on the Discord. I enjoyed <laughs> yes. that very much. I, I I made a channel that was Jeff's birthday. I I plan on deleting it now that I'm sure you've seen it and it's not yeah. your birthday anymore. But uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciated that. I saw I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out one of my favorite bits here though. Um, going <laughs> off of things. So uh, D- Dustin likes to send me pictures of uh of uh. Uh, turtles every once in a while you know mm-hmm. which is which is good because yeah. uh, you know i like turtles uh so he put up this little chart here and i've seen this before on on like reddit or something and it's just uh turtle versus tortoises you know different aspects what like what the differences are but it's like it's sort of memey kind of cute and like you know like it, what turtles have flippers and tortoises have chonky foots you know that yes. kind of thing <laughs> but um my favorite thing is uh peace joy pancakes uh, response or, or well, so she you know she wishes me a happy birthday, of course. But then, like, also fun fact: in German, we do not distinguish between turtles and tortoises. They are all shield toads. Yes. And I was like, that is amazing. I love <laughs> that it. It's pretty good. And like that, that is a thing. Like, I like I know like there are differences between tortoises and turtles. But it, like when when somebody calls a tortoise a turtle, I'm like, yeah, it's a turtle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like. To me, it's an it's an umbrella term, and I know people. Some people get really up in arms about no, there's a difference, and I'm like, sure, I get, like yes, there is. They are different species, but if you're gonna call a tortoise a turtle, I'm like, no one should get mad at you. Like, yeah. it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know. But then again, I get just as worked up in the opposite <laughs> way. So, <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, like again, like in depending on where you're from you know the the language depending on what like the language and everything like you know in certain countries like they're they don't distinguish between the two the two types you know like it's so like you know it's like we we have words like turtles and tortoise but other languages don't have those words they just have the one word for shield toads apparently (laughs) yes so such a good name it's great i like it yeah so yeah, thank so, yeah. you, thank you to everybody who uh, who participated in wishing Jeff a happy yes. birthday. Yes, thank you guys very much. That was very sweet. Yeah. So how about yourself, Gabe? How you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I go back to work tomorrow, which oh, yeah. you know it's I, I've been ready for for this this. Uh, I mean, the quarantine is still going. I'm, I've been ready to go back to work, I guess, for quite some time. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to go back. I want to. I want to just yeah. curl up in the corner and and stay there. <laughs> right yeah, um, I get you. also it's it's been really hot the last few days um mm-hmm. after yeah, it being you know warm. unseasonably cold for a while and then also just it being rainy and and so on the yeah. last few days it's been really hot and i know that my work unless they took the initiative to install some uh some air conditioners to the entire you know the entire facility while we were all gone which i know they didn't it's going to be really hot in there so it's going to be really yeah. hot which it, it always is every summer and also, we're going to have to wear masks that make it harder for us to breathe. Ooh, yeah. It's going to yeah. be rough. I mean, like, I'm still going to, of course, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm not. Right, yeah. You know, but it's just, it's. I'm not looking forward to it at all. 
Um, another thing is that uh, about two hours ago, I, I took a nap and I'm really regretting it. I, oh. The thing about naps is that I'm always like, no matter how tired I was before the nap, I'm groggy after the nap mm-hmm. and I'm disoriented. Yep. Uh, I know I can't, I can't do naps. I, I end up more tired than I, than I was before. And I usually end up like with a headache and super dehydrated or something. And just like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm usually miserable after a, ma- a nap. Um, and then uh, just one more quick thing. I've um, I've 3D printed new miniatures for Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, um, yeah. I think right. I think I said I was planning on doing it for a while. I finally uh-huh. got the files and then I um, I scaled them all down a little bit so they would be a little bit closer to the the sizes, the size from the, the board game. Mm-hmm. And I was having issues with my printer. So it took several tries for basically every single one before I got them all finished. But, uh, but I have them all. I, I'm going to try to start printing them or start painting them pretty soon. So once I have nice. them painted, I, I presume I will post pictures and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. All right. You want to go ahead and jump into this episode? Sure. Okay. I want you to imagine, Jeff, that um, you are at your local library mm-hmm. and it's, you just got out of school. You got your backpack. You, you quietly run down the aisle because you want to read your favorite book. Your favorite book is here and you've got the whole afternoon to yourself because you're a little kid. I, I don't know if I made that clear with <laughs> you just got out of school and you got your backpack, but right. you're a little kid in this scenario. Yeah. And so you, you, uh, you grab the book, you run to your favorite chair, you toss your book, your, your backpack aside, you sit down, you open up your book and you, you begin to immerse yourself in, mm. in stories of, of, uh, you know, knights fighting dragons and, and wizards and shooting fireballs and whatnot. And, uh, and, you know, so you, you're, you're flipping through this book and l- as you like to do, you, you take a moment, you close the book and you look at the cool art on the cover and you take in, you take in the title and you know what the title of your favorite book is, Jeff? Oh, I, I think I have a good idea, but go ahead. <laughs> it is, uh, the Odyssey by Homer. Oh Yeah. That's a good book. <laughs> you, the title of your favorite book is The Dragon's Horde. So today's magic item was submitted by Jason E. via email. That's our good friend Jason. A billion swords of justice. And he said that this was inspired by a few episodes we did the, um, a few episodes ago we did the um, summoner. We did like a Final Fantasy summoner question. Oh. Yeah. And he said this was this was uh, sort of inspired by that. And the item in this case is called the Fiend Folio. Which, oh, the Fiend Folio. Yes. People who have been playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons for a while might know that that is the name of a book in, mm. like, an actual D&D book. In various yeah. editions, there have been books called the Fiend Folio. But in this case, in in-universe, this is an artifact or possibly legendary item. You know, might be might be an artifact, might just be legendary. Most know the Archmage Isora the Great as the founder of the greatest wizarding colleges in the world. But before her teaching days, she traveled the Outer Plains studying fiends and penned a book of untold power. Isora's Fiend Folio is a collection of pages written with magic inks and bound in leather made of the flesh of fiends. Anyone carrying it gains advantage on any check to identify a fiend or learn of its abilities. But anyone who studies the book and makes a DC 25 Knowledge Arcana check learns the book's true powers. 
By spending a standard action, they can summon forth an ethereal projection of Izora herself. She will then ask them if they wish for aid or wish to be tested. If they wish for aid, she summons forth one of the fiends bound to the book to fight with them. And if they wish to be tested, she summons she summons the fiend to fight them. The DM chooses an appropriate challenge rating fiend in either case. If they choose to be tested and lose, Izora will not allow the fiend to kill them. If they defeat the demon, award them half the normal experience. Players can summon a fiend in this way once a week. However, if they abuse this power, Izora, aka the DM, will make the fights increasingly more difficult until they lose. Regardless mm. of how they use the book, Izora always gives a grade at the end of any summon. The player who summoned her must make an appropriate save against a DC 25. Strength or dexterity if a martial class or their primary spellcasting ability score if a spellcaster. If they succeed, Izora praises them and they gain advantage for one hour on skills with that ability score. If they fail, Izora offers them a harsh critique on their skill and they receive disadvantage on skills with that ability score for one hour. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of... I'm trying to think of how to just like what, 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 if I could give like a one sentence or just a few word pitch of what this item is trying to think of how to describe it. So, so I don't know. So, so succinctly, Mm -hmm. um, so you can summon help, you can summon an enemy yeah, and then you get graded on it. I guess, (laughs) I guess that's, that's probably what I would say. It's a tutor. (laughs) I suppose. Yeah. Um, this is this is one of those items I've never seen an item that does exactly this. Like there's stuff that you can summon a thing to help you. There's stuff that summons a thing to you can fight, I guess. But none that are like both of those, I guess. Sure. I mean, I like I like I kind of like the I kind of like the like summoning something that you can fight. You get like partial experience for it, but you you don't have the risk of dying. Yeah. It might be a little good like. I don't know, just kind of like test your abilities, sort of thing, you know, like a sure. like like an ability check, sort of like, like you're sorry, you you know, you and your party are like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure we're, we're fairly strong. Let's see how strong we are, but without, you know, putting yourself at risk. Sure, I'm trying to think how to how I would um, improve on this. I think that well, first off, I would not make it clear to the players that they can't die. Um, I think to do so would be to, you know, basically tell the players, hey, this is free experience. And that that sure. in and of itself, I don't think is a problem because mm. if the players are having fun fighting demons from this thing, I mean, heck, that's the session. Like, yeah. they can either fight demons from this thing and get experience or they can go and fight orcs or whatever in a dungeon and get experience. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not against them getting easy experience or whatever. Like that's not really a concern of mine. Just right. I think that it might it might take away a lot of the tension if the players know explicitly. Oh yeah, no, this, we're not going to die. Like this is just a this is just a training program essentially. Yeah. If if at a certain point like they realize oh you know we're not dying from these things they they keep stopping before they just you know they they beat us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was thinking like one one sort of punishment you can do rather than just making it more difficult is like the demons is the, the fiends escape, you know, like you're summoning these fiends in to fight them. And then if they, if they defeat you, they don't kill you, but then they go free or something. Yeah. And then they start wreaking havoc on things and they're like, you know, give it some sort of a, some sort of a consequence for failure. Say like there's a time limit. 
you've got five minutes to kill his demon. If you don't kill the demon in five minutes, it's going to escape. Yeah. And then, yeah, if, if it beats them, sure, it doesn't kill them, but it's going to escape because it has beaten them and now it can just go do whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. Um, that that could work. I was thinking maybe um, if they fail to kill it or if they, if they fail to defeat it, then, I don't know, maybe they, they take some sort of like a uh, semi-permanent debuff or, or like they take like a penalty on something for a long period of time because now, you know, the demon has in some way like tainted them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking of going with, you know, they they could rather than the DM like trying to punish them for abusing the power and so on. I, I would I would make it so that there's an end goal with this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say rather than just, you know, cho- the DM chooses whatever appropriate monster. What if there is a specific list of demons starting with the weakest demons and going up until, I don't know, Orcus or something is right. whatever. Somehow it summons Orcus. And then have it be that every time the players use it, it summons the next, the next demon. And then maybe if they don't defeat one, maybe it just summons that one again. Maybe it summons that one and the following one or something. Mm. But whatever the case, there is a goal, and that is the players eventually want to use this enough times that they have defeated all of the demons. Maybe if they defeat all of the demons, the book somehow gets purified or or enhanced or something and now it's like a super powerful artifact because they put in the work to actually defeat all of the demons right yeah or it could be it could be that it is a super powerful artifact but it's like very dark and evil okay. and the only way to drain it of its power is to fight the demons inside of it so like you're okay. it's it is the thing that the big bad is after yeah, you know, and if the big bad big bad gets its hand his hands on it before they defeat all the demons inside, then the world ends or something. You know. Yeah, I really like this because it is. I'm always all for the players being in control of the campaign. Mm-hmm. If because let's be honest, nearly every campaign out there, the players basically just each session. It's like, okay, cool. What happens to us? Right. Okay, cool. What happens to us this week? We beat yeah. that last one. Now what happens to us? If it was instead, each week the players can be like, "All right, guys, do we want to do we want to progress towards defeating this book? Do we want to summon the next demon, and then, you know, go from there?" And sure, there can be other stuff that they're doing on the side too. But if if it is ultimately up to them when they progress the campaign, or at least to an extent, I think that is going to feel really cool for the players because it's not just rea- being reactionary; it is. We're deciding when we're going to do this. We could even try. We don't know what demon we're going to face, but we can try and set up some stuff. We can do this in a specific environment. We can set up traps. The players could be the monsters and the demon could come into the dungeon. (laughs) Well, I was like, maybe, maybe there, there is like clues they can find in the book itself. So like each, like each chapter is a, is a different demon or something like that. And they have to like decipher it. They have to go on adventures to help decipher the the script or sure. to, like maybe there's like riddles or something like that that they have to go to a certain place to figure it out, figure out the answer. And then like if they find out enough about the demon, they can they can prepare better for fighting it. So like, you know, they they're you know, they they read they read through the chapter and they're like, OK, this thing. It, it, it talks about fire a lot, so let, we're we're assuming this thing is gonna have to do a lot of fire damage. So we're obviously gotta you know 
prepare for that. Sure. You know, like, so yeah, let's, let's, let's take it into an environment where there's lots of water. Okay. Yeah. So when we summon it, let's go to a swamp or something. Sure. Um, but, or it could be, or it could make mention of a like specific artifact or text or something that they have to go and find. And then they realize like, okay, this was calling for this artifact because this artifact is like, it's a blunt weapon. It does, you know, bludgeoning damage. Maybe this thing takes extra bludgeoning damage or something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, you know, it just could give little hints that will send them on little mini adventures to figure out how to better defeat the the demon, or they could just summon the thing and try their best. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Whatever the case, I think that this, this is an awesome hook for a campaign at the very least an awesome hook for a long side quest. Yeah, for sure. And then just just one more thing. Like I uh, I know that Jay primarily plays um, Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and uh, I I he had a little note. I, I cut it out. But he had a little note saying like if anything doesn't quite fit Fifth Edition, feel free to change it. And one thing that I would change is just the um, the save at the end of it. The so like if the um, when they get a grade, they have players to make a save. And then if they succeed on the save, they gain advantage. If they fail on the save, they take disadvantage. 25 is a very, very high DC. In 5th right, edition, yeah. even a high-level character would have to roll like a 17 or an 18 to succeed on that. So I would bump it down, maybe even put it at a 20. It would still be pretty high, right. but still possible even for a first-level character. Just very, very unlikely. So Right, yeah. yeah. It's still, it's still within reach of, of, of level 1. You just yeah. have to roll a 20, basically. Sure. But no, I, I think this is an awesome item. Uh, thank you very much to Jason for sending that in. I think it's really cool. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jay. All right, so that'll do it for uh, for this item. That was the Fiend Folio, once again, submitted by Jason E. via email. Uh, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for the Dragon's Horde, or if they had questions for us to discuss, or stories for the Funeral Pyre or Retirement Village, how would they get those to us? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our interparty discord at bit.ly slash discord. Yes, that's correct. And before we go any further, we have a giveaway to give away today. Mm-hmm. This week, we're giving away a copy of Unearth Tips and Tricks Volume 1. And just a reminder, Volume 2 just came out. So if anybody has gotten a copy of this or would like to get a copy of this and also wants to check out Volume 2, you can check out Volume 2 on DMs Guild right now. It's great. Go check it out. Anyway, so Unearth Tips and Tricks is a uh, is a supplement made by Crit Academy, the Crit Academy podcast. Every week on their podcast, they put out a character concept, an encounter concept, a monster variant, a magic item, a DM tip, and a player tip. And then Unearth Tips and Tricks Volume 1 and Volume 2 are each a collection of 25 of each of those put together. So that's 150 things to help your game in each of these books. And they're great. I helped write it. I have I have the the inside scoop on exactly how good it is, in my opinion. So uh, so it's 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 a great product, and I'm super thankful to Crit Academy for helping us give these out to to our listeners. So speaking of all of that, Jeff, who is our winner of this great product today? Today's winner is Hal A. Yes, congratulations, Hal A. You should be getting that in your email in the next couple of days. If you don't, of course, let me know. Um, and be sure to leave Crit Academy a review. If you leave them a review on DMs Guild, it'll increase the visibility. It'll get more people in there. Even if it's a negative review, hopefully it's not. But even if it's negative, <laughs> it will still help them, you know, work on creating better products in the future. Right. And uh, yeah, just please leave them. You know, we're giving, giving out free copies. So all we ask is just please leave them a review. That would be awesome. So yes. if anybody wanted to be like Hal A and they wanted to win a copy of this great supplement, Jeff, 
How would they do that? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com, but with unearthed tips and tricks in the subject line. Yes. And then you can put whatever you want in the body. Mm-hmm. We've gotten jokes. We've gotten recipes. We've gotten yep. pictures of turtles. Yep. Lots of cool stuff. So. All right. And then uh, next up, I want to thank all of our wonderful patrons for helping make the show happen. For anybody not familiar, Patreon's an online platform. You can pledge to donate a certain amount of money per month to the creator of your choice. And hopefully that creator may or may not be us. But uh, uh, if you um, go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict, you can check out what we've got on there. We've got a few different tiers with different rewards on each tier. We've got outtakes. We've got fantasy fiction that I wrote. We've got a monthly bonus podcast. We've got a monthly Roll20 game. Our Roll20 game will probably be in the next couple weeks after this comes out. So, you know, there's definitely time to to get involved with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know... We understand these are some tough times, but we're especially thankful to everybody who has continued their support during this time. So if you want to support us, you go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. You can check out the rewards. Even a dollar a month goes a long way to making the show better and gets you some cool stuff in return. Uh, And then just one more thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy, critacademy.com. They make new and reusable content every week for players and DMs alike. Check out Brute Force and Ignorance. They are an actual play podcast on the network. And check out D&D Character Lab, where Garen and Dan made characters every week and pitted them against each other to debate whose characters were better. Enough with all the preamble. Let's get into some questions, Jeff. All right. Our first question, uh, actually, Gabe uh, sent this one. Who's who's that guy? Yeah. This comes from, and this this was posted on Gabe. <laughs> yes. And before you read the question, I will just say, like, this is uh, a topic that recently I was, you know, as sometimes happens when I bring in a question, I was engaged in an online argument, as I am wont to do. And it, it really got me thinking, this is something that I did, I did want to discuss on the show. So if you like hearing Gabe rants, this may be one of those episodes. <laughs> so... So, so strap in. Strap in, I guess, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, Gabe asks, is it weird for a much older person to play D&D with a group of much younger players or vice versa? Yeah. So I, I, let me just first start off by asking Jeff, have you ever been in a group where either in recent times you played with a much younger person or when you were younger, did you play in any groups with much older people? And And I guess let me further clarify by saying, Feel free to specify whether it is a a relative or not a relative, because the sure. the discussion that prompted this was specifically about someone that is not a relative. Right. Yeah. Um. I I haven't had this scenario at all. Um. I mean, just because most of the people I've played with are around the same age. Yep. Um. I've definitely seen some like groups at like a game store or something like that. They were much more varied in age. Um. Mm-hmm. And then you know I know of. You know, I, I know of both, like, between uh, Justin and you, I know, like, with through, like, the stuff at the library and things like that, like, yeah. you end up with some, you know, younger players and stuff like that. So, like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not something I've experienced, but it's not, I know it's not unheard of. Yeah. So, I, I guess I will, um, I, will, I will say that the, this, this started out when, you know, I was on the internet and somebody posted a story on a particular online forum and they said, you know, it's one thing for an adult to be a dungeon master and run a game for some kids. That seems like it would be fun for everyone involved. But then they were asking, why would anybody want to do the opposite? Why would anybody want to play in a game that was run by someone much younger than them? Mm-hmm. 
or just play in a game where most of the other players were younger people as well. And again, not someone that is related to them. And I guess they gave an example of they were going, they were running across some Roll20 games where a Roll20 game was being run by a 14 year old who wanted to run a game. And then they noticed that like, yeah, some of the people, most of the people in the group were around the same age, but then there were like three dudes that were around the age of 30. And then Mm -hmm. they were like, that's weird, right? And, you know, there were a lot of, when I first got there, there were a lot of varying responses. Um, I didn't really read any of the responses. I just kind of gave my own response. And I'll, (laughs) I'll just start off with my response was, it's only weird if it's weird. Sure. It's not weird by default. Yeah, yeah, it's not inherently weird, you know, like it might be unusual, like, yeah, because you, you're not going to see that all the time. Like sure. You usually see groups of friends who are, and groups of friends are typically within a few years of each other. Yeah. So it's just, it's not, it's not your typical D&D group, but it's not inherently weird. Yeah. And I guess when I respond to this question, I am coming from, I'll, I'll give a, a brief history of some of my play, you know, some, some of my, my, my play experience. I've probably mentioned most, if not all of this, at some point in the last 170 episodes of the show. But oh, when geez. I first started playing D&D, uh, my first group, we were, I was in high school. I think the, all the other players were either in high school or had just graduated high school. So we were all within three or four years of each other. I was 16, I think, when I started. Maybe I was just barely turning 17, whatever the case. 16 or 17 is is my age. The, the, the oldest person in the group was probably 19 or something. You know, we were pr- pretty close in age. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I played with them for a little while, left that group, started a group with our good friend Jay, who actually just submitted that magic item. Also our friend Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we were all within a year of each other, a year or two. And then after that, sometime during my senior year of high school, so I was, I was either, I was either just turning 18 or maybe I'd been 18 for a few months. Um, I started playing with who is now, you know, our friend Chris, who I've been friends with ever since. Dang. And Chris is quite a bit older than me. He is not quite a bit. I hope he's not listening to this and I think that I'm <laughs> calling him an old man. Um, I was 18 and I think he was around 30 when, when okay. we started playing. Maybe he was late 20s. I, I could be mistaken. I don't remember exactly. Mm. Spoilers. I don't know exactly what age he is now. So I, I apologize, Chris, <laughs> if you're listening to this. But I started playing with him and he and his girlfriend were in the group. Also, I think the guy who invited me into the group was like in his forties. So these were all much older people. And then we even, for the most part, it was the four of us, but the guy who was running, the guy who ran that initial game, uh, his name was John. He invited a couple guys that he worked with that were his age or possibly older. So like I was very much the outlier in this group. I was 18 among people that were in their, you know, thirties or so thirties or older. And Looking back, like, yes, I was a little bit intimidated with a person who originally brought up this topic did say like, yeah, kids are going to feel intimidated DMing for someone older than them. And absolutely the group we were in, um, we switched up DMing. So like when I first started, I, I specifically didn't DM for any of them because I was very nervous, but they made it clear anytime you want to, you are welcome to run a game. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we played for a while after maybe three or four months of playing with them. I ran an adventure. It was real bad. Somebody else ran after that. I ran another adventure after that. It was also probably pretty bad, but <laughs> at no point did any of them make me feel like I was not welcome. 
None of them made me feel like I was less of a person than anybody else in the group. So to answer the question, I'll just say this right now. I think it's perfectly fine. Now, the concerns of the person who brought up this topic, as well as a lot of people that responded, they were coming with a lot of judgments. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to get too much into what those judgments are because I I think this is a pretty family-friendly podcast and I don't I don't really want to spread the the negativity that these people that uh, that a lot of other people may have about this situation or similar situations. Sure. If people want to if people want to play D&D, they want to play D&D. Yeah. And I don't think that the age of a person inherently has any any positive or negative issue on that. So anyway, I'll come I'll probably circle back to that. So I played with with this group, Chris, Melissa, and John were the, the three, you know, these these three older people that I played with for a long time. And I am so happy that I was in that group because I learned so much from, from playing with people who knew what they were doing, who were respectful, who treated me like a person. They treated me like an adult. And I was 18. A lot of people would say that I was an adult, but you know. I could be wrong, but I, I like to imagine that if I was, say, 17, they wouldn't have treated me any like any less of an adult. Right. Now, after that, you know, I, I played with people of varying ages, but in recent years, there were some more things that that further solidified my, my stance on this type of issue. Um, first, I will say a few years ago, about five years ago, Chris actually brought along his uh, his stepson, Zave. When I was running a game, uh, you know, about five years ago, I was running a fifth edition game when fifth edition first came out. Mm-hmm. And I will be honest, when Chris first asked if he could bring Zave with him, I was I was apprehensive. Not because not necessarily, well, I was apprehensive because um I didn't know Zave. And hearing that he was young, I, if I'm not mistaken, Zave was 14 or 15 at the time. I was nervous because I thought. Kids aren't good at kids are not going to be good D&D players. They're scatterbrained. They're dumb. You know, various, various thoughts went through my head. I don't like being around kids. I don't want to run a game for a young child. Those were thoughts that I had at the time. Sure. However, I will say right now, Zave is one of the best D&D players I have ever played with. You know, Gabe, uh, when you asked me earlier if I was ever in a group with younger people, I didn't even <laughs> remember because because I just I never it was like Zave was just one of the players, like yeah. you know, like and just Zave was he he melded so well into the game, yeah, that I just did not even it did not even occur to me that he was a that he was a younger player that I, that would be an example I could have given <laughs> exactly, and and also if I'm not mistaken, Zave had never played D and D before. Right, I don't yeah, think no, he, he had. He was he was new to it. I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Chris had given him like a rundown of it. You know? Probably, but that's another thing. I I at the time I probably had you know preconceived notions about like what new players are like, and I probably would try to steer away from new players, especially for this particular game that I was running. I you know I would have wanted more experienced players, but Zave taught me no no no. They're just people. Younger people are still people. Inexperienced mm-hmm. people are still people. And if you treat them like a person, it's possible that they will act like a person. <laughs> and so that that made me realize, like, I, I need to stop judging people before I know them. 
And then another example, a couple years after that, I started running these games at, uh, at the Garden City Library. And a dude showed up. I think you, you mentioned him earlier. His name is Justin. I was actually hesitant to mention him by name, but I think I'll, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but I, I, I'll just go ahead and say his name is Justin. He is a much older person. Um, I actually asked my wife how old he is the other day and she didn't know. I think he's, he's in his, his late sixties, I believe. Okay. Justin is, he's, you know, he's a much older person. He is kind of a weirdo. I, I hope nobody would judge me for saying he is kind of a weirdo. He is, but he is the most kind-hearted weirdo I've ever met. Right? Yeah, he's an oddball, but he's a he's a he's a sweetheart too. Yes. So, like, yeah. And he started showing up to these D and D games. He had never played D and D before. And for anybody who is not aware, the D and D games I run at the library were aimed primarily at teenagers. Basically, it was whoever has if it's your first time playing D and D, come to this game. And over the, you know, not counting the people who have been coming for a long time. Like if you just look at the the individual people who have shown up to these games, most of them are either, you know, young teenagers, older teenagers. That's probably by number the majority of the players. That being said, Justin played with us for many, many months. Mm-hmm. And he is much, much, much older. We've also got several, um, several of like the, the, the volunteers at the library and the workers of the library that are again older not as old as Justin of course but we've got 40 year olds and 50 year olds that come to every game and when they're there and there's also a teenager that shows up to the game nothing is weird you're just there to play the game yeah now the judgment that people are passing is that, oh, something inappropriate is going on. Either somebody is has an inappropriate interest in these children or these, pe- these older people are emotionally or developmentally stunted. Why else could they possibly want to do a leisure activity where children are present? Right. And that's what I have issue with. I think that is such a, such a, a, close-minded view of what people are. If you say, I will not take part in this activity because I don't want to, to associate with children, that doesn't say anything about children. It doesn't say anything about people's interactions with children. It says something about you. Mm. If you cannot fathom, and this is almost a direct quote from the person who started this, this uh, thread, this person said, I cannot fathom why an adult would want to play in a game that is run by a child. And in that case, I say, then that's a problem with you. If yeah. you don't know, if you don't know what something could be, then that's your inexperience showing, not not showing any fact that that's that that's a truth. It right. is not a universal truth that children that that you know teenagers can't run a good D and D game. I would play, I'll say right now, I would play in a game that Zay was running in a heartbeat if I, if I was available. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, like, yeah, if, if my, if my only way to play D and D was like, yeah, like my neighbor's little brother really needs a, a third, you know, a third player or something like that. And, you know, it's like, I was like, well, if I was available, I'd be like, sure, I'll give it a, you know, let's, let's give that a shot. <laughs> sure. And another thing is that there were a couple other people in this thread that were 
of like mind with the original poster. And they were saying like, you know, oh, I wouldn't want my kids dealing with whatever. And and to to me and to anybody else who said, you know, no, I mean, it's it's not a problem. It's just people wanting to play D&D. They kept making these straw man arguments. And for anybody who's not a, not familiar with a straw man argument, it is when you're debating with someone and rather than attack the stance that they are defending, you create a stance that is similar but unrealistic because it is easy, easier to attack that stance mm-hmm. than to actually attack or it's easier to attack that opinion than actually attack the opinion of your opponent. And so what these people were doing is basically they would be like, so you're telling me you would just drive up to a group of 13 year olds on the street and strike up a conversation. And it's like, nobody said that. How in the world are you taking that from what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying at all. If I was on roll 20, which if I'm not mistaken, does not make it standard to show the age of the people taking, taking part. Right. I think in the case that the original poster said, the DM said, I'm 14, I'm running a game. Okay, cool. But people aren't on, I mean, if anybody is on roll 20 and they're like, ooh, let me find some children to play with. That person is the problem, not the fact that they are old is the problem. That that particular person is the problem. Right, yeah. I have played with some weirdos before. They're weird because they're weirdos, not because of their age. Right. And I said, Justin is a weirdo, but not that kind of, Justin Seems like a weirdo. He's a super nice guy. <laughs> yeah, super yeah. nice guy. The friendliest person. I have loved having him in our game. And I love that he was willing to branch out in his old age and join a hobby he has never been a part of. Because right. that really, that is, there are two big problems I have with this type of attitude. Number one, it's going to scare everybody into ever branching out from their comfort zone. If you are 60 years old and you have never played Dungeons and Dragons before, Do you have any other friends that play Dungeons and Dragons? Probably not. If you don't, what are you supposed to do? Just say, whoops, I can't ever play Dungeons and Dragons. Even in today's, in today's modern times where you can go online and you can experience a Dungeons and Dragons game with anybody on the, you know, anybody on the globe. If Justin went and tried to join a Roll20 game, if he made it known that he was 60 years old, I guarantee the original poster of this issue would think he is a weirdo because he's playing with people that are not 60. Is there some way that Justin can only search for 60-year-olds? And is there any reason he has to search for 60-year-olds to play D&D with? Absolutely not. He should be able, if he wants to test out this game, he should be able to try out this game with whatever is available. Right. If someone at a particular group, if Justin showed up to a library game and someone was uncomfortable, fine, you can leave if you're uncomfortable, but that's on you. That's not on him. Yeah. You know, he has never done anything inappropriate in any of the interactions I've had with him. And I've had a lot of interactions with Span. He is such a nice person. And for someone to judge him based purely on his age is so insulting to me. And the fact that someone could play D&D and could be, purport to be a fan of Dungeons and Dragons and to know what type of a game this is and how vulnerable you are when you play this game for mm-hmm. someone to then judge someone else for such such a superficial issue is insulting to me i hate that there are people like this person in our hobby sure <laughs> if someone wants to play dungeons and dragons play dungeons and dragons yeah if, if it makes you feel better making sure that the parents are involved, or fine, parents should be involved with what... If there's a 13-year-old playing any game, their parents should be involved. But 
Sure. Because the parents should be involved, not because they're they're worried about every person over the age of 18 is going to try and take advantage of their children. <sighs> I mean, like I like I understand that there are awkwardness between like large age age gaps just as far as like any social situation goes like like you know if i'm in a conversation with a much younger person like there's going to be some awkwardness there like there's a generational thing you know it's like we we, you know we've we're exposed to different things at different like and in our childhoods like you know you know like having a conversation with my niece can sometimes be difficult because she doesn't she doesn't like half of the things that I experience. She will never experience because that's just too far, you know, in the past as far as like technology and stuff like that. You know, like, yeah. it's like trying to trying to explain to my little niece that no, 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 that's not a touch screen. Stop putting your fingers all over it. Like, <laughs> sure. Like, you know, like, don't don't touch my computer screen. It's not going to do anything <laughs> like it's just going to put fingerprints on it. Like, you know things like like things like that like yes there there might be some you know some things that are lost in translation as far as as far as age goes but that sure. yeah that's that's not that doesn't make it weird to you know enjoy the same hobby together yeah i mentioned that you know nobody is saying they would just drive up to a, a group of kids on the street and strike up a conversation with them i wouldn't drive up to a group of people my age and strike up a conversation with them sure you know what i mean true. Like, yes, yes, there is, there is differences between older people and younger people. There is general generational gaps and such, but like there are people who would still be able to strike up a conversation with someone at different ages them. And that's not something wrong with them. You know? Yeah, there are, there are, I would say most people younger than 20, I probably have very little in common with. I would probably have, have a difficult time in any way connecting with them, even just in a conversation. Yeah. I acknowledge that. That being said, that doesn't mean that I should look at anybody under 20 and just say, oh, there is no possible reason I would ever want to associate with that person ever. Right. That's, yeah, you're basically trying to exclude an entire age group of people from your existence. Like, it's yeah. like, well, I'm just never going to interact with young people. Young people are worthless to me, you know, and then at that point you're making them less than human. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, tr- you're treating them as less than a person, which is, yeah, which is exactly wrong. Right. And like, again, probably most of them again are not going to be running. If it, you know, most people, under 16 or whatever are probably not going to be playing a D&D game that is interesting to you as an adult. And that's fine. Nobody is saying that, oh, every game that has children, that's the game I want to be in. Nobody is saying that. <laughs> but if you join a game and you see, oh, there's some kids in this game, well, it'll hopefully it'll still be good. And And guess what? That's exactly the same attitude you have regardless of age. If you join a Roll20 game and they're all people the same age as you, you're still going to be like, well, I hope it's good. Right. Yeah. You still have, yeah, you still have the, the same expectations of like, I, I, I hope I'm going to have a good time here. Yeah. Because spoilers, most players suck. <laughs> it's not just children. Most <laughs> players are bad players. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, none of us are perfect. We're all still learning, you know, no matter what our age is. And also, like, how many freaking D&D games you got going on that you're able to pick and choose, like, oh, that one has children in it? No, thanks. I'll get the next one. I mean, like, I understand Roll20 has made it very easy to join a game. 
That being said, again, I don't think Roll20 makes it abundantly clear how old the people are in the game that you're about to play in unless they unless they volunteer that information up. Yeah, and I can't remember if there was like a you must be 18 year or, or, or older to do or to like make an account or something. I'm not yeah. sure, but I don't know. I have heard that Roll20 has um, very much lowered the demographic of the typical um, role-playing game player. Uh, I, I I don't know I don't know where that source came from, but I heard that because of because of the introduction of Roll Twenty, the average player is now younger than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But whatever uh, the case, yeah, I'm just I did a quick little search, and it, it looks like there are you can set it to be an 18 and up game. Oh, like okay. if if you sense. started a game and you're and you're like inviting people in, you can say like, oh, this this is going to be a game for people 18 and older. Because mm-hmm. like you know, like I have more adult themes in the campaign I want to run, or something like that. Yeah, and that kind of brings me on another topic. I don't run a game if 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 a game has content that wouldn't be interesting to someone say sixteen or seventeen years old. I don't think it's a game I would be interested in to begin with. I'm not interested in games with you know graphic depictions of anything. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not in it for gore. I'm not in it really even for like combat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm in it for combat, but not like the the nitty gritty of, of you know, wounding someone and severing limbs and whatnot. Like, like right. with our podcast, I don't really, our, our podcast is not meant for children, but if a child wants to listen to it, I don't want to put out content that is inappropriate for children. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, no, I get it. Similarly, I wouldn't want to run a game or play in a game that is inappropriate for children to play in. Again, I am not saying I'm seeking out children to play with. Nobody is saying that. But if a child is in a game, if I go to a game and somebody, you know, somebody, some child I don't know is in the game, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to leave. Because if I am, that says something about me and, and my uncomfortableness around other people, not my age and not the child. Now, I mentioned there were t- there were two main issues that that I foresee as being problems with this. And one is just the the judgment that comes from people who are ostensibly in this hobby that, you know, D&D players 30 years ago were incredibly ostracized. Nobody had the 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 luxury of being able to say sorry, you are too old or sorry, you are too young to play this game. So, you know, I would I would hope that people who are are fans of the hobby would be inclusive of many things of age of gender of of all sort every political thing you can think of or non-political thing you can think of be inclusive you know what i mean anyway so that's that's one issue i have is just like the judgment and number 2 if someone says you shouldn't be playing this game with children they're one step away from saying you shouldn't be playing this game right if some I could, I mean, I don't want to be like the slippery slope person, but I very much see this coming from the same place as D&D is a game for babies. You shouldn't play D&D. You shouldn't be playing video games. Video games are for babies. You right. shouldn't be watching cartoons. Cartoons are for babies. You mean you got to use your hands? <laughs> it's a baby's toy. <laughs> right. Sorry. And and so just like, I very much see that coming from this. Those Those both having just as much weight behind them both of them have just as much evidence behind them which is to say zero and so i don't want anybody to judge me because i play D to begin with let alone mm-hmm. because of who i play D with yeah 
Like, yeah, like, I, I play Minecraft, and, you know, there are plenty of people, it's like, oh, Minecraft is a children's game. It's like, yeah, a lot yeah. of kids play that game because it's great, but it's because it's a great game, and it's, like, it's approachable from any age. Like, yeah, I don't see any problem with, you know, people of any age playing playing any particular game. Sure. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't bad people. There are bad people. But... Studies show it is not necessarily based on age. It is not necessarily based on someone being a stranger. And that was, again, that was the, the, um, what this original person was, was saying was that like, oh, it's okay when it's a family member or like a, you know, someone you already know. And Mm. studies show that's just as bad, if not worse. Sure. I just, I cannot stand this attitude and I don't see where it could come from except for that own person's personal biases and their issues with children or with adults or whatever. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I agree. I agree. Now, I'm not saying nobody should ever feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, you do whatever it takes right. to you, you take care of yourself. Exactly. If you go to a game and you get a weird vibe from someone, I'm not telling you to stay. Leave. Right, do whatever yeah. you got to do to protect yourself. Yeah, it's like, you know, definitely give it give it a chance, but if it's like, well, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel threatened, if you or if you or if you're just not having a good time because of like the, you know, the you know, generational gap, like you're you're just you're just not you know, you're just not having a good time with a younger DM or something like that. Sure. Then leave. Like that's that's completely up to you. Yeah. Um so I I remember when I was um uh, I can't remember how old I was. Maybe like, maybe I was like 16, 15 or 16, somewhere around there. Okay. I was at a, uh, I was in like a martial arts class. Um, I, I, I wasn't in it for super long. I, w- I was just sort of trying it out just to see if it was something I wanted to do. Um, but the, the class that I was in was mostly younger kids. Like, I don't know. It, it, at most they were like 11 or 12 or something like that. Okay. And then, and then a handful of like older people, like probably, probably in their forties at least. Sure. So like, I was like smack dab in the middle and for me, like it was definitely awkward, but when it got into like the actual, like doing the class and everything like that, it didn't really, it didn't matter. Like, cause everyone was learning the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was starting on the exact same level. Cause we were all just beginners and just wanted to, you know, have a, do a physical activity, you know, recreational thing. It was at sure. like the, it was at like the civic center of the, t- of the city I grew up in. And so like, you know, it's like, there's definitely, there was some awkwardness, but like it, it meant nothing as far as the actual like content of the, of the class went, you know? Sure. Um, one thing when, when I did first, uh, first read this guy asking about, you know, is it weird for old, whatever. Um, my first thought was, if I went to a local park and there was just like a, a game of, of ultimate Frisbee or touch football or whatever that like anybody could join, I would not bat an eye if there were 14 year olds and 30 year olds in that same group. Like who cares? What does it matter? Similarly, yeah. if I join a book club, which I think is much closer to D&D, I absolutely would not bat an eye if there were adolescents and grown adults in the group. Because it's a book club. So what? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Same thing with D&D. It's just someone wants to take part in an activity. They want to do something they enjoy. Who cares the age of the other people that are in the group? 
Yeah. Someone could make the argument, oh, well, what uh, what insights into a book is a 14-year-old going to have? I don't know, but something doesn't mean yeah. that they can't. Doesn't mean right. that a 14-year-old could never possibly see something that you don't know. Right. It like and it's it, at least in that example like it's it's sometimes really good to to see the perspective of somebody who has a like fresher look on life. Like Absolutely. somebody who somebody who doesn't have 30 years of mental baggage working yeah. working around in their head like can see something more more plainly. And from a you know perspective that you wouldn't see because like you know I'm I'm trained to see this thing in this one way because this because of an experience I had, but somebody who's never seen it before is gonna you know is gonna is just gonna blow my mind as to is is you know if a fresh perspective is always welcome. Absolutely, the, I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed having Zave in our group so much was that he didn't have. All of the the baggage. He wasn't jaded from thirty years of playing right. the game. Yeah, he wasn't rules lawyering like I do. Because like anytime I play <laughs> a game now, I am so stuck in the rules because yeah. there are so I have to I've I've memorized so many of them that right. like I don't think I sometimes I forget to have fun. And Zave was just having fun. And he, Absolutely, right. <laughs> he he surprised me every time he opened his mouth in that group. Mm-hmm. It was great, um, and then. Like on the opposite end of the spectrum, I played, you know, I've had a DM. I've talked about like the worst DM I ever had when I lived in Tennessee, who he would back up every bad call with, I've been playing for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. Right. And so like, what do you mean a 14 year old could not possibly whatever? Because the fact that you doubt them show like it means that they're going to have things that you didn't consider because you're only considering their age. You're not considering anything else. So frustrating. Like, a- absolutely, if if you feel uncomfortable with something, then fine. Feel uncomfortable. Do do whatever whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe. If there are children, their parents should probably have an idea of what they're doing, but right. less because of the other people that might be there and more just parents should take an active role in their children's lives. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, you know, if... If it's a kid who like snuck out of a his you know, snuck out of his house to go play D and D with with a bunch of strangers or something like that, I mean, yeah. I'm like, sure, like you know, it it could be a thing where like, yeah, you should let the parents know where the kid is, sort of thing. It's like you know that you know parents should know where their kids are. Yeah, parents but, should also educate their kids on conduct. Right. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah. No, no, nothing inherently weird about, about, about the age gaps. It's like I said before, it's, it's weird. If it's weird, it is not weird by default. Right. Exactly. Like there are, there are specific situations where it can be weird. Yeah. But that is, you could say that about anything. Yeah. I wouldn't ever want somebody to like go to a, a local gaming store where there's somebody's running a game and I wouldn't want someone to to exclude other people just be like oh you're you're too old or oh too, you're too young that's that's so awful for for the hobby you know what i mean anyway yeah no it's it's, it's better to have more people like we it, this is like a sort of thing like we want to pass this down to, to younger kids anyway yeah. like we want we want this hobby to continue we don't want it to end with us yeah yeah anyway so Thank you all for <laughs> listening <laughs> to me to me rant about something that I I wanted to rant about. Um, Gabe, Gabe rants. Woo. 
occasionally, you know, occasionally I'll just bring something in because I, I mean, a small peek behind the curtain, like when we have a lot of questions that have been submitted and we pick the ones that we have stuff to talk about. You know, if right, we don't yeah. have something to talk about it, we'll wait until we do. So, you know, I had something to talk about. So that's, that's why, that's why I brought this in anyway. So that'll do it for our regular questions for today. Um, we do still have our social media questions though. And our last social media question was, have you ever made or eaten any fantasy inspired foods? Do you recall what your answer was, Jeff? Um, I don't think I have, but yeah. I've, I've, I've seen some pretty, uh, some pretty bizarre like recipes and stuff online for such sure. things. Yeah. I don't think I have either. And I would love to maybe next time, next time I'm able to have an in-person game. Maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Over on Facebook, JT, uh, JT, uh, a good friend of mine, says, yes, Haley, his, uh, his his girlfriend, who actually replied to him, Haley made some Shire dessert muffins. I forgot what they were called. They were pretty good. And then Haley actually responded, oh my gosh, I was going to mention those. They were so delicious. We also made some apple dessert based off something in Game of Thrones. Hmm. And then this is very out of place, but my wife replied to that saying, if you lived near us, you could check out the Game of Thrones cookbook from your local library. Because we have that at our library. Nathan H. says, I tried to cook a tavern-style meal for some of my friends at the end of a four-session campaign, but it was mediocre. Mm. Sorry to... Sorry to... Oh, and he he actually added one more thing. Um, I have also eaten in a tavern in Krakow, in Krakow, Poland, that was all decked out in medieval decor, and they had delicious pork knuckle basted in bone marrow uh, with steamed potatoes and vegetables and fantasy-style drinks. Oh, that sounds good. That does sound pretty good. Colin W. says, no, but I have eaten buffalo chicken cheese dip. That is fantastic. <laughs> okay. I'll, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I mean, <laughs> you can interpret the question however you want. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Ryan P. says, I have made lembus bread from Lord of the Rings and sweet rolls from Skyrim. They were both delicious. <laughs> uh, and the photo I used for this was a person's recipe for lembus bread. Uh, we didn't have anybody on Twitter, on Reddit. We just have a couple. Eljahuay, I think. So oh. it's a weird, there's a weird combination of letters, some of which are capital. So I don't know if that's a name or an abbreviation. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Eljahuay says, does second breakfast count? <laughs> My response was, I'll allow it. <laughs> Um, Alistar the Minotaur says, my girlfriend made Lembus bread once. That was pretty good. I'm pretty positive. It was just focaccia and she called it Lembus bread though. Also one bite did not fill me up for a day to know if it was a problem with the recipe or if I'm just an anomaly. I'm going to go with an anomaly. Um, Mm. and Sapphire Shaddock says, I have a really bad habit of seeing food in video games and immediately trying to cook them. One of my favorite things to do now when I know we will have a big group over is cook one of the meals from Monster Hunter or cook foods exclusively from Skyrim. Yeah, the Monster Hunter meals are ridiculous. Yeah. Uh they they have these like r- like very detailed cutscenes of like the chefs like making the food and everything. <laughs> gotcha. It looks so good. Um if I'm not mistaken, I believe Sapphire Shaddix on her podcast a while back um had she ran a game where the entire battle mat and all the miniatures were all edible. <laughs> That's really good. I want to say like the battle mat was, it was like intertwined those like candy bacon things where it's like, uh, it's like taffy or, or gummy or whatever. And I mm-hmm. think the miniatures were all gummy things as well. 
<laughs> so or either gummy or cookies i can't remember it's, it's been a while right and then uh, over on discord we have a few e thompson 03 says i've had the butter beer at universal studios and the blue slash green star wars drinks at disney the butter beer was amazing the milk not so much that that's a good point yeah i did i did go to like a harry potter themed party and we did we did there, we did have some like Harry Potter like themed like food like butter beer yeah. and things like that. Um, I've I've had butter beer at a at a friend's party and butter beer I think at Harry Potter World in at Orlando uh, in uh, Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if I had a pumpkin juice or not. I guess I didn't. I don't really think of that as fantasy. I should. I don't know why I didn't think of it as fantasy, but in my mind that was something different. I don't know. Sure. Um. Dustin says, my friend makes Alchemist's Fire every year. It's red hots dissolved in a clear liquor, usually vodka or moonshine. He mm. serves them in tiny bottles to complete the effect. That's pretty <laughs> there's good. A, there's a, there's a, a liquor called uh, Fireball, which is basically, yeah. it's like a, it's just Fireball whiskey. It's a whiskey that's just like heavily cinnamon flavored. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like if you're, if you're going to be making alchemist fires, you kind of have to break the bottle over somebody in order to complete the effect personally, but splash damage. Um, no, don't, don't break bottles. Over yeah, anybody. Don't. Um, King J exe says I made Lembus bread for a Lord of the Rings marathon, as well as two themed pizzas, a free peoples of middle earth and an eye of Sauron. You can also <laughs> use the same toppings for the eye to make a Mount doom. <laughs> I've also made blue milk and then in quotes, lukewarm tauntaun sausage and served Wookiee cookies and gummy Ewoks with Yoda soda for a Star Wars marathon. Wookiee cookies and Yoda I, soda. I, I kind of need to applaud. Yeah. That's, those are all pretty good. Very good. Uh, Stillskin Kubo 84 says, every pizza I ever eat with no anchovies is an homage to Michelangelo. <laughs> yeah. Well, every pizza that I eat with anchovies is an homage to Philip J. Fry. Uh, there you go. Futurama, yeah. And then uh, one more potato plunderer says, not anything fantasy inspired, but for my sister's birthday a year ago, she had a bunch of friends over for a one shot I was running. During an encounter, my mom comes upstairs with pizza. Naturally, it throws the group off their rhythm. So in game, I say a gnome enters the snowy clearing they've been fighting in to drop off an order of gnome dome pizza. It was such a hit that it's appeared in all of my other adventures. <laughs> Gnome Dome Pizza. There you go. There you go. Uh, so that was uh, that was the last social media question. The next social media question is going with today's topic. What is the biggest range of ages of people you've gamed with? You know, if if you were young and you played with older people, who was the oldest person? If you were older, who was the youngest person? I'm just curious. You know, I I guess I should say. I, I made some strong statements earlier. If someone feels differently than me, I, I don't want to be the person that says you have to agree with me. If you feel otherwise, I would love to hear your opinions otherwise. But I do have strong feelings about this thing. So, of course, I'm, I'm going to say the strong feelings I have. Anyway, I hope that our listeners are not exclusive. I hope that they do not judge people purely based on their age. I hope that they have played with a wide range of, of players. Maybe they haven't, either intentionally or unintentionally. But I would like to know what is the biggest range of ages of people that you've gained with. You know, it's an inter- interesting question to ask, I think. Yeah. So, do you know, I, mean, I guess we already mentioned Zave. Do you, has there been right. anybody else that was particularly older or younger than you? 
Not in D&D. I could definitely remember times like playing video games or something online with people who of a varying range of ages. Sure. Uh, when I played World of Warcraft, I was in a guild that there were, there was at least one or two like, like, I think it was a women in like, I think they were in their fifties. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like apparently like, uh, like stay at home moms play wow you know like oh yeah, yeah like I that, that was like a, that's like a that's like a demographic that that plays like you know um, mmos and stuff like that so like you know in in the guild there were a couple like older older people so yeah. like we you know we would just interact over voice chat and stuff like that but we were just playing warcraft sure um i don't know who the oldest person i played in in a game like that is um but again like there is justin I, this guy justin we played D D with him for a long time he um even we, he played D and D over here at my house a few times, either D and D or I think he played a terrible RPG with us once. Yeah. Um, he, uh, in addition to him, we also at the library, there was a time that a guy had to have been in his seventies showed up just kind of to see what the game was and, you know, sort of participated for a little while and then he left. But if, you know, he, he still came and he still participated. And I think that was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. cool that someone would would be willing to, you know, again, branch out and just see what what this thing is they've probably spent the last 40 years hearing about. Right, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know who the youngest, I mean, especially accounting for how old I was at the time, I can't think of who the youngest person I played with was. I'm sure we played at the library. I'm sure there were people that were either 13 or maybe 12 or something at some point. I'm sure there's been somebody somebody that young. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's not oh. like you were like taking a tally of everyone's ages. Exactly, cuz again, I don't care. If you're <laughs> right. there to play, you're there to play. Anyway. Um so that was uh that'll do it for our questions for this week. So, um before we close out, I guess let's let's wind down a little bit. I know I'm a little worked up. Also, <laughs> this room is very warm. The yeah. AC is on, but I think something might be blocking the might be blocking the vent. Um so let's, let's wind down. Let's relax. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's remember those who have come before us uh, who have given their lives to make the world a better place as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre today's funeral pyre was submitted by Dustin via discord and he says one of my longest running players was a master of the mask rogue in 3.5 This prestige class gave the character multiple masks that added minor bonuses to skills. To me, this was a good starting point, and thus was born the unnamed child, inspelled to house the souls of all those who messed with the local archmage. The party first knew him as the domino-wearing Sam, but soon multiple personalities surfaced, one for each soul. In order to make the personalities distinct from my fellow players, I crafted masks for each. At the outset, it was clever and fun, but the campaign lasted three years. Towards the end, there were six personalities. It became too much for the other players, and I was asked to tone it down. So, I had to kill them off. Mm. I chose one soul to live, Max, a shadow assassin. Inside the mind of the character, he began killing off the other personalities. In real life, this consisted of me standing in my best friend's kitchen, talking to multiple masks as each was slain. Max assumed control of the body, and I shifted to playing a cocky shadow dancer. He was the best assassin slash thief on the planet. Unfortunately, my dice had other plans. 
his final words were, of course I can disarm the trap. <laughs> he was incinerated instantly. Oh, no. In the end, I learned a valuable lesson. Sometimes you have to kill off a character. Sometimes the dice do it for you. <laughs> so, yeah. that's uh, and, and Dustin has actually shared a photo of him wearing one mask and then holding, I think, three other masks along cool. with this. So so this, this definitely sounds like something that, that was, was pretty cool to, to play. Yeah. And so let's raise a glass in memory of Max, as well as all of these other personalities, I guess, who reminds us we're all in this together. Clank. 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 All right, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty discord, or on Twitter at InPartyConflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on the podcatcher of your choice. We are on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get some bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. Speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you want to submit anything for that, send it to arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash conflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time, grow up. <laughs>